each week or two weeks, ten days, <laughs> quarterly, fortnightish. Oh, nice. Yeah, I. Yeah. Writer of words. Holder of pens. Drinker of coffee. Colby Wilson. Discuss a topic with my friend Sean Whittinghill. Dr. Sean Whittinghill. Dr. Sean. Wow, they just throw that term around with everywhere, hey. don't they? I'm telling you. Wow. Discuss an issue near and dear to the hearts of the students, student athletes, and young people that are going to make this world better than the nascent hellscape it's become. Sean, how are you doing? I am great. This week's topic is mental health. What is the best way to start a discussion about mental health? Because it is a discussion that is very difficult to start. So the best way to start it is to start it. Just bring it up. Well, okay, yeah, but how do you do that? Like you and I are you and I are just shooting the bull, talking back and forth as we do. And then all of a sudden, hey, Sean, how's your mental health? I mean, you can word it different. Just yeah, how, you know, how you know we're you? we're we're taking a we're taking a, a, a we're going down Ha Ha Avenue there, and then we're taking <laughs> a hard right down into personal. And I just ha it's ha it's just tough. I feel like it's really difficult. It's difficult to to talk about mental health, your own personal mental health, but then to ask about someone else's, I think, takes just as much courage. And it's not the it's not something that people do very much. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think it's something you just have to gauge a conversation. I don't think you just walk up to somebody like, hey, man, how's your mental health? You know, I mean, it could maybe you could do that. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, I would just say, like, you know, you start a conversation with somebody and then just ask them, you know, like, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? And uh, just try to start it off that way and just get some just get the conversation going and maybe if you, you know, see something, like if it's somebody that you're close to and you just see that they're kind of acting out of how they normally would act or you just see, you're just you seeing some, like, trigger behavior, I guess, uh, just bringing it up. I guess it just depends on the relationship that you have. If I just have somebody that I only know through class and I don't ever talk to them, I just come up to them like, hey, man, like you're just acting out of the, out of the ordinary. What's going on? Like they may take that as you know, kind of offensive, and be like, you know, like get out of my business, dude. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. if it's somebody that you're close to, just you know, bringing it up and just talking to them, like, hey, man, like this is what I'm seeing, and like, how are you feeling? How is everything going? Uh, which I know can be hard, and that's a lot easier said than done. And just like you said, it's it's also a lot uh, harder for that person who is dealing with whatever they're dealing with to actually admit that there is an issue. So. Uh, but I think the first step is to actually bring it up because I think that's always the hardest part of a lot of things is to actually start it. So why? Why is that? Why was reaching out to begin the dialogue? Why is that the hardest part? I mean, I just think that we have this tendency to keep to ourselves a lot of time when it's something that we don't feel like is normal, I guess. So I guess if we're going through something ourselves, we may feel that feeling of. You know, nobody else. I'm the only one going through this. So if I'm the only one going through this, then I'm strange, you know. So it's hard to reach out and make yourself vulnerable and allow people to see the issues that's going on in your life. And really, that's what we need to do. But we just have this idea that we have to be uh, tough and we have to do it ourselves. And it's just hard to be vulnerable in those situations. Is that an acute feeling for student athletes, especially because you are so physically at your peak and you're supposed to be so mentally at your peak 
that to admit that you just need a hand with something is that tougher than you think it would be for just the average person uh, I mean, I'd say yes because yeah, like as you know, I've been playing sports for as long as as long as I can remember, and it's always you know kind of instilled into you, especially as a football player. Like you're supposed to be tough, and you're like you're just supposed to be the big, bad, tough, mean guy, to, uh, you know, growl or something like just the. Like when you get on the field, you're just an animal. You know I what hope I mean? you are more terrifying when you line up across from somebody <laughs> and do that. Because well, a lot of times I like, actually just joke with them and stuff. There, but. There, there's a large teddy bear sitting across <laughs> from me right now. Even that growl was like, grr. Grr. <laughs> grr. <laughs> so I didn't want to scare that's you. The, that's the growl that comes out of a teddy rock spin. I didn't want to scare you away because we need to finish this. So I just wanted to keep you going. All right. So, <laughs> so we're supposed to be these big, tough guys and – I mean, it's for all student athletes, obviously, but uh, we're taught to handle things on our own. We we work out and we do this and we work on our physical bodies and we're like these big, tough people. And then when it comes to mental health, we're supposed to take the same approach. That's what we've been taught is that, well, you can get through all the, or the uh, adversity that you face on the field or on the court. So you can do this on your own with whatever issues you're dealing with. So then it becomes harder for us to reach out because we're taught that we're supposed to handle things on our own. So then it, it's a sign of weakness when you have to go ask other people for help. It's like, man, you can do all these other things on your own. Why can't you do this on your own? Well, you can power through this, and I think that's a, a big thing yeah. with a lot of people is this isn't just something you can work on and work through a lot of times. Like you, you can work steps through therapy or group sessions or what have you, but like you can't just sit with this and be okay. Yeah, it's, it doesn't work that way. Is yeah, that not at all? Is that a concept that's tough to get through for people who are so used to working through problems? Yeah, I think so because like if that's just all that you know, then it's hard to you know just switch it up and start leaning on people for help when all you've been taught is to do it on your own. And I think it's so important to have a community of people around you that can that are there to help you progress through all the tough situations the highs and the lows of life you got to have a good community there to surround yourself with is it for student athletes especially is it a, a thing where you are viewed as having so much you're smart talented i'm sure others of them are handsome and good looking i won't lump you in with that group <laughs> but but for outsiders seeing you guys you would it would seem like you had it all and that's not always the case yeah, I mean, it's especially easy as a student athlete because, you know, when they write articles or there's pictures on social media of uh, just of us, it's all the highs usually of what's going on. So all people see, and I, I also want to touch on that with, like, social media. You don't post the, the bad things and the lows of your life. Social media is the highlight of everybody's life. Yeah, it's the highlight. And it's the same thing with the the media that you see surrounding student athletes. A lot of it is just the, the highlights of what all they're doing. Uh, so it's easy to assume, well, I never see anything negative about this person, so they must have everything all together. So then it becomes a shock when there are actual issues and actual things that, that's going on in their lives. What does the phrase good mental health mean to you? Good mental health, I would just say like being aware of your mental health and just being uh, just understanding whether like what part of life you're in and if you haven't if you're having issues taking the appropriate steps to helping yourself um, that doesn't mean that 
good mental health, I don't I don't think that means that you have everything all together. I mean, I feel like nobody has everything. Just they're perfect and whatever. So uh, I think it's just understanding what the issues that you are having and using your community and the resources that are around to help yourself and to have other people help you. Yeah. When people talk about mental health, there's it seems like the stigma is that it's all negative and that's not the case is that mental health can be used in a positive way if you have good mental health you can lift others up around you and it's not just it's not just the diagnosis it's something that you have to live with every single day how are things like surrounding yourself with good people discipline honesty getting people in your corner that can help you reach your goals how important is that to your ongoing mental health? I think that's the most important part is that community. And I know I've said that a thousand times before, but I mean, it's so important. Like you can't just do it on your own and you have to have these people and just around you to help you and keep you accountable because it's hard to be disciplined. Like to have good mental health, to have good anything, you have to be disciplined. So having people in your corner to hold you accountable, to keep you on track, is a very important step and having discipline to always be aware of your own mental state and how just life is at the moment being in tune with yourself mind body soul is i mean it's extremely important the stigma of mental health only being when we talk about mental health it's a negative thing and when you have to go to see a therapist i mean even i'm saying it that way yeah even just saying it the way I just said it, I have to go to a therapist, not, hey, I'm going to go see a therapist. Hey, got to go get some stuff off my chest, going to go see a therapist. Yeah. Why does that stigma remain? I mean, I'm somebody who goes and sees a therapist, and I still said it that way. So it's not just people who aren't in the know. It's people who are involved with it still view it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think because that's the norm of society is to uh, see it that way and just seeing mental health as a negative word. So when that's just the norm that you see everywhere, then the stigma is going to remain until that changes, until the uh, concept around mental health and whether that's a positive or a negative or however people view that, until that changes, the stigma is going to remain the same. Let's talk about masculinity and refusing to ask for help. Yeah. And since you're allegedly a big, tough football player, this seems like a big like a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is it so tough, especially for males, to ask for help? Because I think, I don't know how many times I heard it as a kid, but whenever you're going through something or maybe like just even as a little kid, fall like a little boy, fall down, scrape his knee, cries. Many people will say, hey, like toughen up or be a man. Don't cry. Yeah, because men don't cry. And uh, I heard that so many times, and especially as a male athlete, you hear that all the time. Like, you got to be tough. You're the toughest of the tough. Like, playing football, that is a tough sport. It's very taxing physically, mentally, emotionally. It's very taxing, and it's stressful. Um, but you're just always taught, like, hey, man, like, it doesn't matter what up. Like, leave all the other stuff aside. Come out here, lay your body on the line, because that's all you're good for, really, to a lot of people is – just you're there to be a tough man. Just like going back to what we talked about before with Andrew Luck. 
Like he's just seen as somebody that uses his body to for the purpose of piece of meat, replaceable. Yeah, exactly. So people don't see you as a whole person, um, and that's just what we see athletes as. Is you're just like you said, a piece of meat. So it's harder for athletes and male athletes to really reach out and get the help because we've always been taught, oh, you got to be a man, you got to tough this out. Yeah, ugh. and there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in the general sense that my gut sticks further out than the rest of me, I'm swole. You're right. Uh, I want to believe that your generation is going to break us out of this, that that archetype is going to go away. Is that something that you see within the confines of your generation where more and more people aren't doing that? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. Like, I just really hope so. I think there's still stereotypes and there's still the stigma uh, of, you know, mental health and the mental health awareness kind of being a negative thing and but at the same time that you can still see the awareness surrounding mental health and healthy mental health is growing and I think it needs to keep going in that direction where we talk about it more because the more you talk about it the more it becomes the more it comes at the forefront of people's minds and once it's on people's minds people think about it um, it's more likely that you know just everything surrounding that changes and we get the stigma to change and just the culture around seeking help and mental health, it all changes. Let's talk about some distinct issues that students and student athletes have to deal with that for student athletes, there's really very few ways around these. Number one, injuries. You can speak to injuries better than anyone. A lot of people, yeah. What what are the mental health issues associated with dealing with big-time injuries? Not just the general day-to-day grind, but the big stuff, the potential career-threatening stuff. Yeah, and I can speak to that as well, you know, tearing my ACL last year. Um, I think that's the first time in my life where I really was put into a situation where I just didn't care anymore like I just didn't care about anything and I would just wake up and just lay in bed all day and like it, it was a really sad state of mind where I was in where I just I don't know I just felt like I was useless because you know I come here to obviously get an education but I was recruited to play football here so I get an injury ACL tear where a lot of people well I won't say a lot but you know there are a good amount of people that they tear the ACL they're done or when they come back, they're not what they used to be. And so having that on my mind for, you know, nine months of recovery is hard. Cause I'm thinking like, man, like what if I get back out there and can't do it and I can't do it anymore. And it hurt. And the biggest thing, honestly, at the, the beginning of the injury, when I, when I found out that I tore my ACL, I was like in denial. I was like, man, there's no way. Cause I was walking around perfectly fine. I had no, even when I tore it, I was on the ground for a minute, and then I hopped up, and I walked off the field myself. I was like, I'm, I'm good. So when they told me that, I was like, man, there's no way. There's no way. And it didn't hit until actually it was the next home game that we had, and I was just sitting there before the game, and I was throwing the football with a kid. I don't even remember who the kid was. And I was like, yeah, go long, go long. And I took a step to throw the ball, and my knee gave out. And so and I had a brace on as well at the time, and it still gave out. And that's when it hit me like – yeah, like, I, I'm done. And, you know, I threw the ball with them for a minute, and then the team, like, they were inside, and I was just outside on the field, and I sat down on the bench, and I started crying because I realized, like, 
man, my season's done. I can't be out here with my team. And I sat there and cried and cried. And uh, it hurt. And that process of realizing, like waking up each day, looking down at my knee after my surgery, realizing like I've got my knee propped up and a big old scar and I can't move my knee. The process started all over again. I'll just sit there and just cry because I'm like, man. Like, I just feel sorry for myself, you know. And Is it almost like a seven steps of grief t- kind of thing yeah. where there's denial and then there's acceptance and the, just the whole thing? It, yeah, and it, like, it sucked. It hurt. Um, but eventually I got to a point where I was like, you know, I can't – because I, I wasn't going to anybody. I have, I have such good friends, and I have a lot of resources here, and I wasn't utilizing them. So then I just, I just made it worse for myself by sitting there and just – you isolate yourself. Yeah, isolate myself and taking it on like on my own. And once I tapped into the resources that I had, you know, the process became a little easier. It wasn't easy, but it became a lot easier knowing that I had people in my corner that were rooting for me and that were helping me along the way. So. What about time management? I mean, all college kids have different issues yeah. with this, but especially student athletes who have even less time than the average college kid. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed uh, because, like, if you don't have good time management because you feel like you have, no, like, no time for yourself. So then you're just doing stuff for everybody else, you feel like, and then you just start getting in the groove of, you know, going to class, going to rehab, going to workout, going to practice, doing homework, going to library, do extra study, and you just go to sleep, and it just continues over and over again. You have no time for yourself to work on yourself, and it gets overwhelming, and it honestly gets depressing when you think about it. Like, you're just constantly in this, the the everyday grind of just checking off the boxes, really, instead of having time to just appreciate where you're at. Yeah. I mean, for most people, not you, obviously. For most people, <laughs> this is only a four-year stop. <laughs> but that does lead exactly. to the next thing, which is exhaustion, because if you don't manage your time well, or even if you do, but you overload yourself, you're going to get exhausted. And yeah. that, exhaustion more than anything, can lead to bad mental health. Yeah, and I think that was a big thing that I dealt with especially off my ACL surgery. Not as much when I had the surgery before that because I just love having surgery, I guess. But um, when it was – my whole day consisted of going to rehab three times a day. Then when I'm back home, there was twice a day while I was at home doing extra rehab, uh, obviously still doing my schoolwork and still going to class and still going to meetings and still going to practice. I just felt exhausted because I was constantly going and – it just got to a point where I was like, man, I hate this. And like, I just was not enjoying my season of life right there. Although I was going through things and I was, it was not an easy season of my life. I still didn't, I felt like I couldn't appreciate the, the small victories and the good things that were happening. And it took like, uh, I mean, it took Mitch, my trainer to point out one day, just like the progress that I made through my, through my rehab, you know, coming in day one, I literally I could not bend my knee at all to a couple months later and it's almost fully bent and I was in that season of life where I was just so exhausted and just like not just focusing on how exhausted I was to not fully appreciate the fact that man like I've got a long way to go but I but look how far I've come such a long way exactly so yeah exhausting sucks but it's I think especially for something like that it's really helpful to have somebody 
with you who can kind of like Mitch for you who can kind of say, Hey man, I know that it looks like you're miles away from where you got to be, but you look behind you, you've already come a really long way. Yeah. And if I didn't have him in my corner, like, especially in that situation to do that, I don't know if I would have truly made it through because there were so many times where I was like, I can't keep doing this. And I was like, I don't want to do this for all these months just to go out there and possibly get injured again. And, I was just really beating myself up, but him and other people as well, but especially him in this specific situation, being there to let me know how far I've come on this journey really meant the world to me and it really kept me on that, you know, that path to getting to where I am right now. And there's so many people in student athletes lives who are doing that for various things. You got Mitch who's doing it for your your actual health. You've got your academic advisors who are doing it for your academic progress. You got your strength and conditioning people who are checking those milestones as you do that. Mm-hmm. And I just I think that everybody underestimates that those how much those parts of the machine do to to give you a a real understanding of where you're at all all across the board. Talk about playing time. And how, I mean, that's not a typical student-athlete one, but or a student one anyway, but just the ability to do what you love during the game and how sometimes for depth reasons or whatever reason, you're not getting it. Yeah. And before I start on that, I'll say that one thing that I appreciate so much about my time here is that I can touch on a lot of topics pertaining to student athletes, whether it's somebody struggling with being redshirted, I was redshirted. Somebody, I mean, I was a starter for, I've been a starter for about half my career. And there's also been times where I barely touched the field. There's been games where I've played 12 snaps out of 50. And also then being injured and having a medically redshirt. And so like I've been through many different scenarios and. This is, this is one I can touch on as well because I've been somebody who has played the entire game, never came out for a single snap. And I've also been somebody who, like I said, has played 12 snaps in a game. And going from the one extreme, you know, to the other, it hurts. Especially, like, just knowing, like, man, like, I'm here for a reason. I'm putting the work in. Like, why is it not showing? Why am I not reaping the benefits that I've sowed? And, I, like, it – it's hard to deal with and you know what was it my uh my red shirt sophomore year I was uh that was one that was the season where I started off I I probably you know played half the game and then I got injured I had a hernia a sports hernia and then I was dealing with that and I, I ended up just playing the season through it. instead of having surgery I just played through it and my reps went way down and I was also going through some other things, you know, like family issues and whatnot. But this was like really – I was really struggling with the fact that I wasn't playing because I knew that I could go out there and help my team succeed. And it was our best season that we've had, you know, up to that point. And it just sucked because I felt like I wasn't a major role in that when I felt like I should. And my coach, my D-line coach at the time, Coach West, um, he pulled me aside and he was like, man, you look like you have the world on your shoulders. And I said, I feel like I do have the world on my shoulders. And, I, and I, we just sat down and talked about everything. And one thing he said to me, which stuck with me, was he's like, you've got to let it out somehow. He said, whether that's you get a corner 
and you just cry or you scream or you yell, he said, that's perfectly fine. Get that corner, scream in that corner, cry in that corner, whatever, but don't let other people see your corner. So not saying don't let people help you out in those situations, but don't don't be somebody who goes around and just sucks the joy out of everybody else's day just because you're having that personal issue. And he told me that, and like that's that, that's going to be probably the main thing that I remember from my time here of that any coach has ever said to me was that conversation that I had with him, and is that yeah, like your situation sucks and it's you know it's not good, but like find an outlet and. You know, let yourself go in that outlet, but don't don't let it steal your joy, basically. You know, you can be sad, but you can still have joy. Joy, like, that radiates. Don't let somebody steal your joy. Don't let an outside circumstance steal your joy. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, especially during that time where I wasn't playing, was now my role is to be the best teammate that I can possibly be, whether that be being a cheerleader, which is, you know, we need that because that helps bring momentum. Uh, cheering on your team when they when they're doing stuff whenever the person in front of you who you may there was a times where I was like man I feel like I resented the people in front of me because I was like I know I can do the same things you're doing and you're playing more than I am uh, it's easy to feel like that but then it became like you know what like obviously they're doing what they're doing for a reason so now it's my job to cheer them on when they make a good play being the first one to run over there and celebrate with them whether that be getting the water for them or something like that and of course that's always I mean, that's always been a joke, especially like, you know, back home, like, oh yeah, he's just a water boy or something like that. But like at the same time, everybody has a role on a team. And if you don't play as much as somebody, maybe that is your role just to help somebody out however you possibly can, whether that be somebody needs a towel or somebody need the coaches need a marker or somebody needs something like that. Uh, but to sit there and like diss that person for having that role obviously isn't because they're also the situation. working as hard as you yeah, are, too. They, exactly, they are. And like I said, everybody has a role. But just during that time of barely getting that playing time, I felt like I had to have another role and I had to fill another role, and that's just what I did. And it wasn't fun, but it was easier once I started, like I said earlier, just using the resources around me. And the main resource I had then was Coach West, who was my position coach. You touched on a little bit. Talk about family and relationship issues and how that can – I mean, that's something that a lot of times is an external force that is more powerful than anything that's happening within your traditional student-athlete bubble. Yeah, I think family uh, family issues are probably the biggest, you know, just the biggest thing that has the biggest impact on a lot of people's mental health. Um, I'm very family-oriented, so – when I've had issues in the past uh, with things surrounding my family, it hit hard. And uh, it affected many parts of my life. That was also the same time where I wasn't getting playing time. Um, so that affected not only my relationship with my family members or my stuff on the field, but it also also affected uh, my, the effort I gave in class. And... I've been a good student while I've been here. I wasn't really one in middle school, high school. I'm just going to keep that there. But once I got here, I've been a good student. But that one semester where I was really going through it and uh, dealing with some things with my family, my grades dropped 
dramatically and i had two two d's that semester that's the only time i've really gotten any grade lower than a, a c and I only have a couple of those um and they both came in that semester uh so i let it affect all aspects of my life and that was also something i talked to coach west about and one thing that he talked about with my corner and not letting it steal my joy and things like that uh, but it that hits hard especially when you are family oriented um like just dealing with things with your family but i think i got to a point where personally which i know everybody has different you know uh, things that they use to help them through situations but mine is that life's always going to throw me challenges and it's not going to be fun but at the end of the day i'm going to grow because of the challenges that i face and it's going to be something that i can use to help other people and when somebody else is going through that situation, I can now talk them through it, be somebody that's in their corner saying, hey, I went through that, and here I am on the other side of that. And during that uh, specific season of my life where I was dealing with the issues with my uh, my family and um, things, now I've become a stronger person, I feel like, and I can help people through that. So, Does it feel like it always hits at once? Like when, when there are – like a bad thing or something that can jeopardize your mental health that when one hits it just snowballs from there and all of a sudden you find yourself in a bad place if you're not careful yeah because i think well i think it all adds up and you know maybe one thing happens you're like well you just kind of try to brush it off and like i'll just deal with it later you kind of bottle it up but eventually more things get in there in the bottle something happens and it tips and it just like it just falls out it all overflows and now you are in a position where you haven't dealt with all these issues that have been going on. And now it feels like it's just this big, overwhelming thing that you have to deal with, that you feel like it's it's overwhelming, so you can't deal with it. Um, so, I mean, I feel like just even the smallest things, you've got to have, you've got to have or just use the resources that are around you to work on everything that's going on whether you feel like it's something that's tiny whether it's feel like it's something that's big you know having people that you can talk to and just get things off your chest and help them or let allow them to help you work through those situations is vital because like i said it it'll all add up eventually so nipping in the bud right away i feel like is the best way to handle that is there a fear that if you seek out help and get diagnosed with something that there's going to be a label attached to that, that you're going to, in place of being, hi, I'm whoever with, I deal with depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever, you're, you become the diagnosis, so to speak. How can we, how do you get back from being your diagnosis to being a person with your diagnosis? Yeah, um, I mean, it's easier said than done, but I think, just not allowing the diagnosis to define you. Like I said, that's easier said than done. But just understanding whatever diagnosis that you may have been given and understanding how that works, how that looks, and um, being yourself through that. And, I mean, I don't really know the best ways to, like I said, like not allowing it to define you, but whatever that may look like for you, just being your true self through all of that and not letting a label be who you are being you. Yeah. 
Uh, and not, I don't want to ask you to name names here or anything, but in terms of medication, do you know of anybody, not to name names, just in a general sense, do you know anybody who has to take medication for a social or cognitive disorder? Yes. Is, what are the pitfalls there? Because for starters, there could be something in that medication that causes you to piss hot on a drug test if you're right. not careful. But also, is there a worry that if you need to take medication for a social or cognitive disorder that you might lose your edge? Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe. But at the end of the day, so be it. Because, like, especially in, like, in athletics, like, this is such a great experience to be a college athlete. And it's a great platform to reach many people, depending on how you use that. And it's a great way to build connections and things that we've talked about in the past. But athletics doesn't last forever your mental health is way more important than your edge on the field because at the end of the day this will always this will be gone like this will never last forever it doesn't matter if you had the longest career professionally whatever it may be it won't last forever um so dealing with your mental health regardless of the outcomes and other aspects of your life whether it be all oh, like i might i may not be the same player I was before. At the end of the day, you've got to look after yourself way more than you have to look out for your athletic ability or whatever it may be. Your mental health comes first. How do you think coaches are falling into this new era of more open, honest discussion about mental health? Because I know that it's something that for older generations is still kind of taboo to talk about, but at the same time, Solid and sound mental health, isn't that going to make you guys perform better? Yeah, I mean, because we're, we're people, and as a person, you're multidimensional. So when, you're ha when you have everything aligned and everything is healthy and everything is, you know, progressing forward, you're going to be a better person. And as a better person, you're going to be a better – be able to better perform than you would if not. Um, and I think coaches are – jumping on board with that for what I've seen. I haven't had any experiences personally here where they haven't been. So there may still be coaches elsewhere that aren't as on board with it. But here, um, I, I think they think it's very important to have a healthy mental health. And, you know, before we start our meetings right now, like our position meetings with our D-line coach, uh, we always do the daily bread and it's just a devotion. And we sit there and talk through it. and. We talk about life before we talk about football. And he's always open. He's always telling us, if you're going through something, if you just need to talk, like my phone's always open. And it is. If you if he, or if you need to call Coach Lovins, he's always able to answer you. And he's always willing to talk, stop whatever he's doing to talk to you through things. And he understands that uh, your mental health is the most important thing. Because, like, I mean, he says the same thing I did. Like, football, like, I mean, football is football, but at the end of the day, we're here to uh, – he's here to grow us as men. That's what he tells us. And to be a man and, you know, to grow as a man, that means that you have to be be able to handle your business in all aspects of your life, and mental health is included in that. I want to talk to you about Gil Belgium and a story that I was reading in the run-up to this podcast about their radical approach to mental health. And I want to see just kind of what you think about this. So Gil has kind of become a a mecca for people with mental health, for lack of a better term. Um, it was 
It started out with the patron saint of mental health, uh, Saint. I'm gonna butcher the crap. <laughs> Dymphna. Dymphna. D y p h n a. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she she's the patron saint of mental health, and Dymphna or uh, Gil is where she fled to uh, to avoid persecution. Uh, Ages and ages and ages and ages and ages ago. But that's not the point here. <laughs> uh, the point is that when these pilgrims came to to pray, thinking that they could solve their mental health crises, whatever they may be, by praying to St. Dymphna and Gil, a lot of them stayed. And instead of building a hospital or boarding houses or halfway houses or whatever, the people of Gil just sort of started adopting these pilgrims as their own and in place of changing them to fit the culture of the town they changed the culture of the town to fit these people with their social anxieties their mental health disorders whatever that may be is that kind of cultural shift from hey let's fix these people to let's fix what we're doing to help these people is that the kind of thing that it's going to take for national mental health to really become something that we talk about less in terms of solving and more in terms of embracing? Yeah, I think so, because what that does is instead of saying, hey, you're broken or you're messed up and you don't fit in with us, that's saying how can we do everything we can to embrace you and to work with each other? And I think, you know, that cooperation is – key in really any aspect of life but especially something dealing with mental health um yeah i think that's so awesome that they do that and i think that would be amazing if we did that more here so how can we help people become more comfortable and open about this not just people be more accepting of those who have mental health issues but also for people with mental health issues to to help them seek out whatever the help is that they need. I think just the more that we talk about it and the more that we just, yeah, just the more we talk about it, the more that we do that and keep it as just, how am I trying to say this? Um, you want it to be this a societal norm to, 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 to discuss it. Yeah. To discuss and be aware of your mental health and others and let that be the culture. And it, I don't think it is right now. I think it's something that's moving that way. But the more that it keeps moving that way, eventually it will become the culture and the norm. And we just have to keep talking about it and bringing awareness to it and just allowing people to see the significance of promoting mental health awareness. Speaking of mental health awareness, SAC is having its Mental Health Awareness Week October 7th through 12th. All OVC schools are holding their Mental Health Awareness Week during this time. Uh, anything you want to touch on from that end as long as you're here? Yeah. Um, I mean, while while this week is going on, while these different schools are putting on the, um, like the events and whatnot for Mental Health Awareness Week, I think it's important that students and everybody go out and utilize what they're doing. This is stuff to help everybody, and I think people should tap in. So. Well, usually we're way more um, 
there's way more jolly good times yeah. than than there were on this one. But I think this was a really important topic, and I think it was very important to go long on this and really discuss some of the stuff from the student athlete's perspective. So obviously, thank you for being willing to to let me plumb the depths of your <laughs> mind and experience. I guess <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do this again in uh, a fortnight ish or two weeks, 10 days, three hours, whatever. Thanks, y'all.